1: motorsport magazine for the very best of motor racing good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you are in the world here we are again the motorsport team and we are casting the pod for april this week uh we do not have a guest but we have the three wise men well men anyway and uh we'll be looking back at the motor racing season so far We've had three Grand Prix's, we've had some world rallies, and uh, motor racing is underway. Spring is here. So, first of all, we are going to have a look at Grand Prix racing, and of course we are going to uh, touch upon whether it's uh, as exciting as it should be. I think the answer to that is probably no, but we'll find out in just a few moments. We'll be looking at the speed of the Red Bull, which uh, is remarkable right now, Uh, Who do we think have been the best teams and drivers in these opening races? And do some of the new teams deserve a place on the grid? We'll be looking at that as well. Okay, um, we'll start with our uh, editor-in-chief, Nigel Roback. Nigel, you were in Bahrain, uh, so you were able to have a a good, close look at things firsthand. Uh, Not a great start to the season.
2: It wasn't. It was... uh you know, I dare I say it i mean it was it was it was one of the most tedious Grand Prix I've ever been to i there was a I remember there was a race at Barcelona I think in ninety eight um, which stands out in my mind as well, and does for quite a lot of people uh, as one of those afternoons, literally when nobody passed anybody mm. and bahrain Bahrain was a drag, no, no question about it, and we all left you know a little bit down a little bit depressed because this was the new format and everything else but I I must say um, people were jumping up and saying oh well we've got to get Bridgestone to make useless tyres and (laughs) uh, you know we've got to have a a fixed number of pit stops and all the rest of it I I don't want to see anything like that I I don't want to see any gimmicks at all in Formula 1 I mean I see uh, Malia has been saying been coming out with all sorts of fairground ideas I think you know people who've been around this sport a little longer and have loved it all their lives probably feel Formula One should be purer than that. Well we've been bored before haven't we? Yeah we've been bored before absolutely I mean I've said to so many people I was bored to tears by the sprint stop sprint era I just thought it was like uh, I don't know it was just it was talk about formulaic grand prix racing i thought it was tedious you know so you're not beyond comparison not a fan of bernie's shortcut idea then i think bernie's shortcut i I still can't i I mean i you know i i remember should we perhaps sorry i was gonna
1: explain bernie's uh, well
2: bernie came up with this idea that every circuit should have built into it a shortcut which a driver could use um i guess half a dozen times in a race whatever in order to to enable him to get past the car in front of him, which is supposed to be the whole point of why we're there in the first place. But I noticed that not, this is not something I often do, but I happened to see some, some rallycross on TV a couple of days ago, and it was at Lyddon. Uh, in fact, it was on bank holiday Monday. Um, and I noticed that in rallycross they've now adopted a, not a shortcut, but a long cut. So that on one lap, you are required to take this longer way round. More interesting. Uh, Yeah, and fine. Great for Rallycross. No problem with that. Don't want to see anything like that in Formula One. Um, I mean, I was very much in favour of the ban on refuelling in the first place. And I still am. And I think, yes, Bahrain was dreadful. uh, But everybody was feeling their way. Nobody had a clue how long the soft bridge Mm -hmm. stands were going to last. Everybody was ultra-conservative. Um, then we, you know, Australia, I thought was a sensational race, um, and of course the weather played a, you know, a huge part in that. Um, as I said, you know, you, you, you as soon as you have wet or even damp, you have less grip, and as soon as you have less grip, you get overtaking because drivers make mistakes, yep. um, and you can't guarantee rain at every every race of course unless we have sprinklers. But again, it's a gimmick, isn't it? You can't, you can't, you cannot sort of stage a wet world championship just so that cars can actually pass each other. Um, They're going to get rid of of, of double diffusers at the end of this year. Finally, they should have got rid of them Mm -hmm. at the beginning of last year. You know that should have been snuffed out at birth. Um, (coughs) But I, I I think we just—I still think we have to give this format time, and I, and I'm. I still think, even in Malaysia, right, it wasn't a great race, but it wasn't a bad race. And, no, I didn't think it was. And there was evidence in, I thought there was evidence in Malaysia of drivers um, being aware of the fact they had to pass. Mm -hmm. Or had to try to pass because of the stupid rules. I mean, Lewis, look at Lewis. Lewis was sensational chopping up through the field. Yeah, he was. But, of course, as soon as he came up on a a, a, a vaguely comparably quick car Sotil. um there he stayed so you know we that can be that can be improved by changing the rules by getting rid of I mean I would get rid of diffusers altogether hmm. you know I think they should have gone with the barge boards <coughs> but um hmm. I am I'm, I'm not discouraged at okay. all I mean Bahrain was awful but I think I think the the two races have sense of of sort of Okay. That yeah, made
1: me feel a lot better about it. Cause for optimism, Mr. Editor. Yes?
3: Yep, I agree. I think we'll get some dull Grand Prix this year, as we always have done. Uh, you know, the Spanish Grand Prix, uh, Hungarian Grand Prix, always ones that um, end up being processional generally, um, and that will be the same this year. Certainly, um, you know, the, the overtaking problem will, will be... Um, higher there than other circuits but i thought i thought i agree with nigel that malaysia wasn't a bad race the circuit's a good circuit for racing because it's wide it's got you know they've got, it's got the hairpin bend the first corner's good for overtaking yep. um and we saw some good action there so i think it was entertaining and and like nigel i guess we're you know we're we're slightly more purist in our way of thinking here um but it's a proper grand prix now you have to look after your car over a grand prix distance look after your tires um and it's not it's not a sprint format race anymore, uh, and I think that that's bringing out a new a new interest f- for me watching races. And you can see the, co- the comparison of the way that someone like Lewis Hamilton goes about driving a Grand Prix and the way Jensen Button drives a Grand Prix over the course of the year. I think mm. it's going to be very nip and tuck between them. Mm. Exactly. Lewis, I think, has been fantastic this year in terms of what he's done on the circuit. He's been so entertaining to watch. And I think mm. you know if you used the BBC's red button to mm. watch one driver, mm. it would be Lewis. Um, but Jensen, again, you know a, a classic Grand Prix victory, the way that he took his Australian win you know a dose of luck but also yeah. courage of his convictions to, to make a judgment on tires, come into the pits and, and stand by it, and then drive very well thereafter so I, I think there's still lots of ingredients for a great season. Um, but the remaining problem is still there and will be with us all year about overtaking and it's, it's all aero as Nigel says yeah. you know, they need to sort the rules out to allow these cars to overtake
1: Ed Foster, what, how, how have you enjoyed your season so far?
4: Yeah, for, I think we might just say that noise in the background is, is not my stomach, it's, it's a noisy radiator uh, if anyone's wondering um, the, uh, it's, I think the season has been very good, obviously as Nigel said that opening race in Bahrain was, was about as boring as it gets but You know all these solutions that Nigel was mentioning—they're dealing with the problem and not the cause. And as Damien says, we've we've got to sort out the arrow. And uh, but then the team's saying, "Oh, it's valuable advertising space," and you know we don't want to get rid of the wings and all this kind of stuff. Mm But um, but the other day, Fernando Alonso came out and said, "If you want to see overtaking, don't watch Formula One. You know, it's it's never going to be like MotoGP." And I think some people have got this sort of slightly hazy memory of there always being lots of overtaking in Formula One, which. That there hasn't, really. Um, and well, certainly when you compare it to MotoGP. So I think everyone's got to take a slight step back um, and appreciate sort of what it is. And it's it's not MotoGP. It's not touring cars. Um, and it's, it's I yeah. don't want to use the chess match like Max Mosley. No. But, but it's, you know, it's different.
2: I think that, you know, the point is that, you know, the overtaking, the Formula One overtaking should never be easy. It should never be... Uh, i mean i'm thinking back now to the cart days when they had the hanford wing uh, when and go to a place like michigan uh, and you could almost plot exactly where yeah. on which lap yeah. x would pass y and y would yeah. repass x yeah. and after it becomes meaningless sure. um so it should never be easy but it shouldn't be it just shouldn't be Impossible. as difficult as it is at the moment no 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 exactly you've I got mean, to be able to follow another car closely
1: Uh, talking of gimmicks I I rather like the gimmick of starting the Ferraris and the McLarens at the back of the grid after they Mm. fail to qualify I think that's an excellent (laughs) an absolutely excellent gimmick well if we can
3: ask them to, to carry on cocking up qualifying for the rest of the year I'd <laughs> yeah, love to, <laughs> to oblige yes, I don't think
2: they need, that needs to go
4: in the rules really casual request from motorsport
1: <laughs> we've, yes this, uh, I, I forgot to mention guys um, that of course this is you are uh, actually listening to a meeting of the motorsport magazine overtaking working group um, this is, a, <laughs> this is a, not an official body but it's certainly going to be an important one I feel um we, we we haven't so far mentioned the S word and I particularly want to because I find it particularly interesting. Um now bearing in mind that a lot of people around this table said that Michael Schumacher wouldn't come back to formula 1 and he did the following discussion you might want to bear that in mind. But um but um it it uh, I'll quickly say what I think I, I I think it it's been surprising I must say. Um, in the sense that I didn't think he'd come back and win everything, but I thought he'd come back and be uh, more successful than he he so far has been. Nigel, um, what do you think?
2: Yeah, yeah, I would go along with that. Um, I mean, of course, part of Michael's problem is, you know, that his reputation precedes him, and, and um, you know, anybody else coming back, you know, would be given uh, a longer mm. period to settle in. Um, but I, having said that, you know when Lauda came back in in eighty two, he won his third race. Mm. Um, started slowly in his first race, he was not really a factor. Yeah. Second race, much better. Third race, bang right yeah. there. Uh, well, those times were different. I know that. You know, technology has changed sure. and everything else, and there is much more new stuff to absorb. Um, oddly enough, the thing that has not surprised me, I. I Again, this is maybe because I've always rated Nico Rosberg. That does not surprise me. I, I, I would have been very surprised if Michael had been out qualifying Nico. I really would. After three years away. Um, you know, Ross, um, Nico was part of the, of, the, of the Braun and then Mercedes plans a long time ago. And that's simply because Ross rates Nico so highly. So uh, I, or th- I've right, had all these seasons. At Williams with a, with a, you know, not a strictly competitive car. Uh, but I still, I mean, I have always thought there's a lot more to Rosberg than we've than we've been able to see so far. So that doesn't surprise me. Um, but I think, I mean, it struck me. I think in in Malaysia, I think there were five. Germans in the first eight yeah. on the grid something like that and Schumacher was the fifth yeah. <laughs> um, and I don't know how, he's, how easily he's going kind to of be coping with that I um, mean, I don't see the German papers and I wouldn't be able to read them if I did um, but uh, I, I'd, I'd be interested to know what the attitude um, of the sort of the, the dailies is in, uh, in Germany because this, you know, this is one of the country's gods Sure. You know, one of the great, you know, one of the icons. Absolutely. Um, I, I still can't believe that eventually, you know, he won't be, maybe not ever what he was, but, you know, close to it. I still, It's still hard for me to believe that that won't happen eventually.
1: Damien, what's been your feeling about the Schumacher thing?
3: I'm prepared to give him time because seven times world champion, whatever, coming back after three years at his age, with Formula 1 being what it is today, uh, he was never going to come in and, and win races straight away. Um, you know, Maybe okay, he's not as competitive as, as I would have expected, but I still think there are signs that he's getting there and that he will get there. Um, I mean, the um, the, the, the front tyres... Have been an issue for him. Narrow front tires this year. He's, he's struggled with those. He needs more time. There is a lack of testing these days, so he has you know he has to do it on race weekends. Um, the expectation is clearly going to be there for him to start delivering soon, and his own expectations are going to be interesting. What I am fascinated by is if he's enjoying it. If he's if because he's, he he came back to enjoy himself because he he missed the thrill of racing is he enjoying it i don't know i don't
2: know well i mean bahrain was the first race but in bahrain he did not
3: look particularly
2: as though he was enjoying it i must say when no. i when i saw him at the end of the first day he just looked he looked uh, almost sort of i was going to say bewildered he looked sort of shocked the, the problem with someone like
4: schumacher is that and when he says he's coming back for the enjoyment of racing what he really means is he's coming back for the enjoyment of winning Mm. And having that competition And someone as competitive as him Isn't really going to be having as much fun as he, he could be Unless he's on pole and winning the race So uh, I think that's certainly a factor But also, I mean, the Mercedes GP car Isn't, it's certainly not the quickest on the grid But I think there's also a, he's, The way he sets his car up Is, is quite, a sort of, it's very individual um, it's quite different to how a lot of other people like it. So he's he still pushing for that. I think he's he's mentioned that the car is still not quite how he'd like it. Um,
3: I think one thing that's emphatically not there anymore is the old Schumacher um, air of mystery, the, you know, the 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 superior being kind of figure that he used no, to be. No. Well, you know, it's like Tiger no. Woods this weekend in the Masters at the golf. Yeah. You know, he's going to be. I think his his previous aura. Has been, has been shot to pieces. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, that's
2: what people have been saying about Tiger for months. That even if he comes back and even if he's again brilliant, which he almost certainly will be, still the perception of him among his rivals will never be quite the same again. They will mm-hmm. never, they will, because he had this sort of unearthly quality. Mm-hmm. And uh, now they said he, he is. ...has normal fragilities... Um, yeah. it, it, ...it changes the perception altogether... Well, sorry,
1: Nigel... ...normal
2: fragilities... Uh, well, I think... I'm trying to be...
1: No, I just thought it was rather a good phrase... And I, um, I mean, but
2: yeah. I, I think the other thing, too... ...you've got to remember with Michael is... ...he's... Um, ...I mean, everybody said, you know, before he came back... ...well, for, he's got a target on his back... ...you know, from, which is... ...which is true, although at the moment... ...probably not particularly necessary... I think he's come back to... He's competing against a lot of guys he's never competed against before. Yeah. The overall quality is very, very high yeah. at the moment. Has hired them for many, many years. And a lot of kids half his age... And the last thing in the world they are is, um, you know, overawed by Michael Schumacher. Well, yeah,
4: we saw it with, when he passed Lucas Degrassi in Australia. Yeah, and absolutely. Degrassi went straight past from the next yes, corner. Yes. You know, I mean, no, it's
2: true. It's true. <laughs> he was in a virgin <coughs> car. Mm. And also, you know, I mean, there he was spent most of the afternoon, you know, behind Al Yeah. And you just think, well, all right, we know about the, the difficulties of overtaking but still you think the Schumacher of all would simply have muscled his way past. Mm.
1: Mm. I, th- I think, I, Briefly, I think it's also interesting that one of the skills of being very good at something is knowing when to stop doing it. And in my humble opinion, he should have stopped doing it, which he did, and he shouldn't have come back. Um, the quickest car on the grid, somebody just mentioned, um, or w- what wasn't the quickest car on the grid, the, what is the quickest car on the grid, is the Red Bull, Adrian Newey's Red Bull, with the Renault engine, um, it's very, very impressive. Um, it, it also has what we call normal fragilities, I think. Yes. But it won in uh, Malaysia. Nigel, it's, um, it's looking good for Vertel, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely it is. <coughs> I mean, it was... You would have to say... I know Braun won the championship last year. Uh, but still, you would have to say the Red Bull was, yeah. without was, was, well, any question, you know, the car of the year, the fastest car of the year. Um again even last year i mean it's you know it's the red bulls abiding problem was was lack of reliability some of it the team some of it renault's um and vettel had this problem with you know having to sort of almost miss sessions just run at the very end and so as not to put more miles on the engine because he had so few engines left and so on but i think um thing about this year's car is you know it's it's it isn't a start again job it's an evolution of last year's car and actually on that basis you might have expected it to have been more reliable than uh, than it has absolutely um, you would but not that you know notwithstanding um when i just before christmas um had lunch with uh with brundle and we were talking through last season and the season to come um, and Martin said at one point, uh, we were talking about which drivers you would want, and Martin just said, well, we're really talking about three, aren't mm. we? We're talking about Alonso, Hamilton, Vettel. Sure. Um, and I think that is pretty much the case. Um, Weber's so, got a problem, is not he? Huh? Weber's got a problem at the moment. Uh, seems to have. Mm. Seems to have. I mean thing about Mark is, you know, Mark is as hard a racer as you'll, as you'll ever find. Yeah. Um, but what he did at Mal- in uh, Sepang at the first corner was, I, I mean, I know he thought he was further ahead of S- Sebastian than he was. Um, but really, you know, he'd got to the first corner first. He really had no need to worry about taking the perfect line into it because mm-hmm. nobody was going to, you know, nobody was going to go by him. Very strange. You
1: yeah,
4: and you, you saw him in the press conference afterwards, and it, you know it looked as though he'd actually oh. finished out of the points. Yeah, yes,
2: yeah. no, I'm, absolutely. It was, and of course, but it was on, it was on the back of um, it was on the back of it was only a week after uh, after Melbourne, of course, which obviously means more to him than any other race. Um, and you know, we don't know he will be at Red Bull next year. He, you know, Mel, this year's Melbourne could have been might have been his last opportunity ever to win it. I reckon so. Um, so he's still. I mean, Mark is blindingly quick, but, but he, he's not there's Sebastian a sort of, there's Well, I think very few people are. But I think, but I think there's a sort of maybe a bit of tenseness uh, in his driving at the moment. He's almost trying too hard. And having said that, you know, he'll he'll, he'll win races. He's a tough nut. So oh, he's absolutely. I'm a tough I'm sure nut. he'll
3: he'll find the. The confidence within himself To to bounce back from this Yeah But he's got to be rattled At the moment I think Yeah He's got to be affected by And
2: I think I honestly think Anybody in a team With battle would be Mm. We've actually
4: Had a question in um, Talking about Kubica at Renault And his performances So far this year And if he carries on Driving like this Whether You know One of the big Big teams is going to Snap him up And uh, I can't remember Who asked the question But he said You know Is Weber at Red Bull Uh, a, A possibility
1: Yeah This question comes from Andy Gearing who comes from Kent in England, and uh, that's exactly what he does ask. Um, Nigel, I, I know you're a big fan of Kubica.
2: Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, forgive <laughs> me, I thought you were reading it from uh, there. No, uh, no. <laughs> I thought you were reading the letter. No, no, no. It's just uh, I know. I am. I am yeah. a, yes, I'm a huge fan of Kubica. I, I, um, I, I mean, I don't think necessarily I, I would. Uh, I don't think life is easy for a team for which Robert drives because he is pretty merciless um, on, on his sort of endless push, 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 yeah. push. But, you know, Michael was like that yeah. in the Ferrari days. Um, and I think, as I say, you know, it is, it is a matter of fact that the driver, Lewis privately, says he fears more than any mm-hmm. other is Kubica. Um, so yeah, I mean the idea of Kubica in a in a Red Bull or a, or a Ferrari. Which is the other rumor? Go to Ferrari. Imagine that Kubica and Alonso. Be good, be good. Would I'd be, like yeah. strong-ish, not, strongish team. I wouldn't. I
3: wouldn't. I'm not saying Massa deserves to be replaced, but if he was, if if next year they, they took Kubica, you imagine Alonso and Kubica in the same team. Jesus. I mean, apparently they're very good friends. They're very good friends. Yes. But at could, the moment, yeah, they are. Yeah. They,
2: well, they they play they play poker together all the time. They are. They are. Their very close friends. Mm. But okay. if, if if I mean if Domenicali could make that work.
1: This is possibly the moment to remind everybody that Vettel was my tip for the World Championship this year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right, so perhaps we, should, perhaps we should take a look there, look now briefly at some of the new teams. Um, I, did, I did ask the question at the beginning of the programme, you know, do, do the, some of these teams deserve a place on the grid? I was not implying they didn't. Um, Damien, what? Well, What's what's your impression of how the new teams are faring? Um,
3: I think overall, not bad actually. Given given the ridiculous situation in Bahrain with the the Hispania team, unfortunately named HRT team, you know turning up and having a second car only ready, you know, um, just in time for for the race, etc., etc. I think. Uh, they're clearly, you know, they've got a lot of work to do on pace. I think that the biggest story for me has been the, the Virgin embarrassment um, with the, the fuel tank. I had an interesting, overheard an interesting conversation on the train home the other day. And there were some schoolboys uh, talking about Formula One, and it's that little thing about a, a little bit of knowledge being quite dangerous. And they, they knew, you know, a fair bit about Formula One and what was going on, but they said, um, you know, their comment was, what was Richard Branson thinking? You know, he's he's the guy responsible for this mistake. And he must be absolutely fuming about this because it's so, it's just a fundamental mistake. It, it
2: is fairly fundamental, really, yes. Yeah. To be able just, to carry enough fuel to get to the end of the race. Yeah. Yes, you would think so.
3: And, uh, Branson hasn't got where he's got accepting that kind of mistake. No. So no. I'd be intrigued to know. You know that what that meeting was like between him and Nick Worth when Nick Nick had to explain well, to I him what think happened. Quite lively, yes. I should imagine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it is. It is an unfathomable mistake. There's no there's no 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 doubting that. And
3: I feel sorry for the team because the the car seems to be a, a, a pretty good car in terms of pace. It seems to be I'd probably say the quickest of the three so far. Mm,
2: yeah, I mean uh, I I don't know. The Lotus is snip of, and tuck, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it is. It is.
1: Um,
2: I think it's interesting.: I, I, I confess Sorry. I hadn't expected them to be quite as many seconds away as they are. Um, and I mean, I must say uh, all right, Bahrain was an extreme example, I grant you, but it kind of reminded me of the long-ago non-championship races when they didn't yeah. have enough Grand Prix cars yeah. and they used to pad them out with Formula 5,000, and so you get sort of joulons in the same yeah. race <laughs> as Ferraris.) Yeah. Um, uh, and and it it really did seem like two completely different races, two certainly two different classes. Um, and I, I don't I don't really know what to say about it. I mean, I was I must say in uh, in um, uh, I, I, the, the f- allowing um, Chantok out on the track for the first time at the beginning of qualifying. I found absolutely extraordinary I mean this is we are we live in this age preoccupied with you know health and safety health and safety and and I found that yes. simply extraordinary <laughs> it's preposterous isn't yeah, it? yeah absolutely yeah. you know and that's no reflection on him no I mean he's, no, a, he's no. a, b-
3: a very competent driver he was, he's
2: a very competent driver no but I mean it was just it, Jesus talk about asking a lot of the guy yeah yeah Um I, bizarre so I mean, uh, when, you know, when I was a kid, there always used to be. I go to the Formula One races with my old man, and and there were always, um, uh, you know, there'd be the sort of the, the the mosses, and the fanjos and the bearers at the front, and the, and the pack at the back of the pack. There would always be a sort of gaggle of yeah. fairly sort of you know raggedy. Connaught's yeah. and old two hundred and fifty F's and that sort of thing. Yeah, um, and it—I must say—kind of, you know,
3: brought that back to Does, mind a bit. Has Lotus struck you as being Lotus
2: um, more than I expected? Mm-hmm. More than I expected. And actually, in in Bahrain, you know, all the former world champions were there, and and, and Andretti actually spent quite a lot of time with them mm. um, over the over the weekend. Um, and and he said that he, they, they, I mean, they are very keen to be absolutely respectful to the to the name and legend of uh, of Lotus. Yeah, I mean, and I like the fact the cars are, you know, yeah. the colours they are, and I and I like the fact they invited Peter Tony Fernandez invited Peter War to the first race, um, and you know, Fernandez strikes me as a, as a very impressive guy. One of the
4: stories I quite liked was that uh, Clive Chapman has promised Tony Fernandes um, his father's cap when they mm. uh, have their first win. Which I think is quite nice, just because yeah. yeah, it's sort of an acceptance from, from the Chapman mm-hmm. family. Yeah, And, uh, yeah, I think that was, was quite good. Not much yeah. chance of that cap coming out for some
1: time. No, but, but, yeah, for a
2: while. It's probably why he offered it. Could be a while, could be a while. But, I mean, but, you know, but they have got two...
0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash achieve today.
2: Quick, very experienced drivers. And I mean if they you know if the if the if the budget continues as as it does at the moment, I mean, you know, and Mike, Gascoigne as well, sort of, you know, certainly will drive things along. So, I, I, you know, they what they're talking of is in terms of you know getting on terms with, I don't know, Rossa or whatever, um, and I don't think that's, I don't think that's unrealistic. No,
1: it's certainly a reminder, isn't it? Am I right that you know it just shows you how incredibly difficult it is to do Formula One racing these days. Um, never mind winning it; just taking part in it is an mm. absolutely monumental task, isn't it?
2: It is. Yeah, it is. It is, and I mean, it, it, you know, and everybody's talked about, oh well, Cosworth, you know, but you know, Williams are using Cosworth, sure. mm-hmm. and um, yeah. yeah, you know, they they haven't achieved very much so far, but I mean, you know, but they've been quick at times, yeah. Um, and I in Bahrain, I talked to Rubens about the about the engine, and he just said the, the what it lacks at the moment is 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 user friendliness, you know, mm-hmm. drivability, but on horsepower, he was he was. Pretty happy with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Talking of Williams, um, I'm, I haven't been that impressed by
4: Hulkenberg this so far this season. I mean, he was touted as you know one of one of the great stars coming
2: on. Oh, he was touted yeah, as the new Michael he's, Schumacher. He's, he's, yeah. I think he's been quite unlucky. I mean, I think hmm. you know to be. Um, bundled out of Melbourne, as he was, you know, by yeah, Kabayashi on the opening lap. <laughs> yeah. um, qualified
3: fifth in Malaysia.
2: He did. The thing was, he, he looked pretty harsh. good all yeah. the way through in Malaysia, in the, you know, certainly in qualifying. But it, this is a bit of a Williams phenomenon. It has been for a while now. I mean, you look at the number of races when, you know, when, uh, when Nico was there, mm. number of times they would qualify yeah. exceptionally well, and they'd be very often fastest of all on Fridays and that sort of thing. And then come the race it all fades away and that still seems to be the same
3: I first met him in A1 GP and um, okay, much lower level than Formula 1 he he was on the way up at the time making his name, had Vili Weber as his manager just like Michael Um, and he created a little aura around himself Mm. that um, he was the man to beat and that the guy was almost untouchable at times in A1 and um, I think he carried it through to GP2 and I think yeah. still give him t- give him time at Williams. I think they'll they'll like him at Williams, um, yeah. and I think he'll he'll come good. Yeah, I think he will.
1: Okay, well, um, we're just over halfway through today's podcast, and I think we we'll move on to something slightly slightly different just for for, for a moment, because uh, there is other motor racing going on. Um, we've seen uh, World Rally where uh, Kimi Räikkönen, much speculation as to how Kimi was going to go, and um, I think he's finding it as difficult as, say, Virgin is to go Formula One. I mean, it's uh, mm. it's a whole new mm. a whole new learning curve. Um, certainly, the British motor re- racing season is underway. Uh, the British Touring Car Championship is underway, um, and uh, overall, it, it seems, Damien, that motor racing has somehow managed to survive and almost. Thrive um, despite all the pressures that are mounting up against it in the world.
3: As always, Rob. As always, it always seems to manage to find its way. I think the, the BTCC uh, has lost manufacturers. We all know about that. But Honda and Chevrolet have made commitments to the series. Alan Gow, as usual, is talking up the series, talking about big, yeah. decent-sized grids, which it, which it does have. You know, the quality of the drivers isn't there compared to previous years. There's no doubt about it. But um, it's it's a, it's still the premier British series. Yep. Still entertains people hugely on on TV and at the circuits and um i think actually finding it its way as a as a as a place for privateers is probably the way forward for the series anyway that it doesn't need nine manufacturer teams like it used to have in the mid 90s you know it's reinvented itself since then forget those super touring days that's that's gone and we should really just move on from that and i think it's taken a long time for the series to get away from its its it, the shadow of those 1990s yeah. but i think what it's got these days is is a very you know, to to use the sort of marketing terminology, it's a good product, and um, it still entertains people hugely.
1: Something else we should mention, and I know I know Nigel watched this race. Uh, it was the first uh, 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 IndyCar race in uh, Brazil, in in downtown Sao Paulo.
2: Hmm. Uh,
1: that, that, I think that for me, that sort of whetted the appetite for for another year of racing. It was an
2: interesting track surface, wasn't it? Yes, and <laughs> often see it a car lose it in a straight line in the drive. No,
1: no, it looked a bit like the roads around my village, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was... Well, I mean, oddly enough, I mean, I, I, I saw that... I think that was the same weekend as Bahrain, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, because I saw it when I, when I, when I got back. And, and I've got to say, I mean, it was vastly more entertaining than the yeah. festivities I'd yeah. left in the Middle East. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, you can't say indie car racing is in a strong state. No, um, and I will always be, you know, misty-eyed about. We were talking about. I mean, Damien just now talking about the BTCC in the nineties, um, and I, you know, I remember Kart in the nineties, and that was, as far yeah. as I was concerned, yeah. that was the best motor racing on earth. Full stop. And the, uh, the cars looked glorious. They sounded glorious, and there were some wonderful drivers. So it's a little bit difficult to get uh, you know excited about a spec formula, which is in effect what it is. Um, and I, I confess, I mean, I, I you know quite often I will, particularly at the start of a new season, I look at the uh, I'll put the first race on and look at the grid, and there are names in there of, of whom I have literally never
1: heard. No,
2: sure, sure. And you sort of think mm, this is. Quieter ways from the, you know, the answers and Gordon Johncock and AJ Foyt and yep. Rick Mears. Yep. Um, I think Sao
1: Paulo is quite a long way from Indianapolis.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, nothing wrong with a, you know, a street race in, uh, in Sao Paulo. I mean, it was, it was, it was. You know, I can't say it wasn't entertaining. No, but, I, thought, I um, mean, I've, yeah. But I just think, um, uh, I, 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 sadly, I think you know, IndyCar racing will never ever be again what it what it was. And, and, the, and Tony George splintering it apart in the mid nineties. I mean that was Unforgivable. Unforgivable. And also extraordinarily short sighted from his own point of view. Yeah.
3: Now I'm risking the wrath of our US editor Gordon Kirby by saying this, but I'm not completely offended by the the, the Delara's in IndyCar. I, I don't think they're as bad as, as they're made out to be by by a lot of people. But what do you think about them going radical for the future, Nigel? With this, you know, the, the Delta Wing project is one of the ideas. Lola have come up with an idea. Swift have come up with an idea. Well,
2: I mean, I can see, I can see at the moment they they sort of you know they're looking at they're looking at at all ideas. I mean, I I, I confess the you know the, the, the Delta Wing project. I, I mean, I've looked at it and I've I, when I was at Daytona, I was um, Chip Ganassi he was a Huge supporter of it, uh, you know, gave me a pep talk about it and was very terribly yeah. enthusiastic. Um, and sort of talking about you've got to think outside the box and everything else. And okay, there's not, not necessarily anything wrong with thinking outside the box, but I still, I confess, I look at it and think I just can't imagine 33 of those things no. coming down the front straight at Indianapolis, yeah. but is it-, it just. They don't look to me like racing cars, yeah. But, but is it
4: sort of like the case of, you know, when a uh, road car company brings out a concept, it's always way beyond what you'll ever see that actually, you know, so some of the ideas will be carried forward, but actually when it comes to the, you know, the car getting to the track, it's not going to look anything as well, extreme
2: as that. Well, it, 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 maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, I, I, I you know, I, I still remember uh, being at the launch of the six-wheel Tyrrell um and thinking oh <laughs> God, that is so hideous. <laughs> and and I and I you know, I know Patrick DePay adored it and thought it was sensational to drive and everything else. Um and it was it was not a problem in as far as it was it was like the lotus turbine car, as long as it was a you know, a one off, as long as it was different, that was fine. Um, but I, I always thought it was about the ugliest thing I ever saw on a racetrack, and and then people started experimenting with, you know, with six wheels, with four wheels at the yes, back. Williams. And I thought, ah, oh. mm. back to the Pat Clancy well, I, special at Indianapolis in the late forties, yeah. which mercifully died a death. And uh, yeah. so uh, this this whole thing, sorry, I'm getting digressing, but going back to this delta wing thing, when I first saw it, I, mean, I immediately thought of a six wheel Tyrrell. Mm. and. I, I don't find it attractive to look at. I'm afraid.
1: I think I think <clears throat> if you want to be radical, then ask Gordon Murray to design it would be my view. Um, anyway, yeah. the, po- the point of what I was uh, going round the table and going round the world at the beginning of the season is really to make the point that you know um, there's lots of motor racing to watch. Some of it um, is very exciting and 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 very very interesting. Um, particularly I think um, in America actually Uh, and we haven't even got on to MotoGP yet but we will in our next podcast I think we should take um, a couple of questions from our loyal readers and listeners uh, there's one here from Frédéric Vicer in France uh, who talks about Patrick Tombé Nigel Mm -hmm. Um, this is a result of reading Lunch with Derek Warwick in, in Motorsport magazine um, and he makes the point that Tombe is hardly known at all in France, which I hadn't really uh, I'd thought about before, but it, which is tr- and it's true. Um, what are your memories of of, of of Tombe as a as a driver? It, he, it was a difficult <coughs> difficult career.
2: Well, I mean, I, the first thing I would say, I mean, he's 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 without any question one of the nicest blokes I've ever met in motor racing, or indeed in life. Just a delightful. Guy, just a you know wonderful character, mm. great sense of humour. Um, of course, it didn't hurt. He's, he's a huge anglophile. Um, his English is perfect. He, uh, you know, he could impersonate several drivers in English. I mean, that's how <laughs> good his English is. Um, just a lovely bloke. As a driver, um, he was uh, people. I remember somebody once describing him as a sort of lesser Chris Eamon. Hmm. Um, and there, there is probably some truth in that, in the sense that they were both... Um, I mean, Tombe was never as good as Eamon, as but he had a lot of natural talent. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, what Tombe lacked to a degree, and Eamon lacked to a degree, was... Uh, the, the, in fact, their personalities worked against them. They were almost too nice yeah. guys to be Grand Prix drivers. Yeah. But when Patrick was really on it, I mean, he was he was he was pretty spectacular. And he's, um, no, and that's he's not spectacular on, in, in style, but in, in performance. I mean, he, he he could be very very quick. Um, but I think he was. Uh, um, I mean, when he was at Ferrari with Rene Arnoux, who was a you know, entirely different sort of character um, and a, you know, a real sort of, you know... Uh,
1: rough diamond?
2: A, a rough diamond. Unpolished diamond, <laughs> yes. But a real street fighter as well. And and that wasn't really Patrick. But, um, I mean, I, you know, I... I Harvey Posselthwaite when, when Patrick was a Ferrari, Harvey, Harvey always said, you know, the whole world underestimates Patrick, ho- underrates him. He's a very, very good driver, yeah. um, but probably just not, um, as I say, with the, re- the necessary um, killer instinct.
1: And then, I mean, he returns to the Goodwood Revival Historic Meeting in his late forties, early fifties, and drives a a Cobra like he was nineteen again. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean he, drove, he drove,
2: drove the Dino two four six, didn't he?
1: Yeah. Fantastic. One of, the, one of the great beauties, one of the many beauties of Motorsport Magazine and being involved with Motorsport Magazine is we can move decades and centuries and talk about the past, the present, and the future. And I'm going to spring one on my editor now. Uh, this one comes from Alistair Warren. And he wants to know, Damien Smith, what is the real name for the knee-operated f duct? f-wing f-channel device that mclaren are running this year
3: do any of us know i only know it as the f-duct that's as far as i know me too it's it's called you know and um i welcome it it's a typical piece of One innovation to come up with something like that and um i think mclaren upset people by doing it but they've just been clever i think and now they'll all have to have it. And now they'll have yeah. to have it. And, <laughs> then, well, and then the FIA will close off the F duct in some way, <laughs> yeah. and, and it'll be it'll be outlawed. But that's what Formula One's all about, and always should be, as yep. far as yeah, I can yeah. see.
2: Well, I think am actually quite interested that, that Adrian is a little bit chary Adrian Newey is a little bit chary of it on uh, from a safety standpoint.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm.
2: Yeah. yeah, in terms of because it, it in fact stalls the rear wing, yeah. um, and you know Adrian is thinks deeply, and he doesn't. You know, he doesn't make comments sort of no. Left no, right no, and centre. No. Uh, so I thought it was quite significant that that, that is a thought that's occurred to him because yeah. I haven't heard anybody else say
3: that. And well, I love all this, you know, um, speculation about Newey and Active Ride and, you know, yeah, how, how, how they're managing to get yeah. the, the yeah. right yeah. height. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh,
1: one, of, one of the great beauties of being a motorsport reader, of course, is that you can occasionally catch out the panel so well done Alistair Warren the
3: fact
1: fact is we don't know but I think there's a lot of F's in here so it might be interesting to know what the other teams call it (laughs) um Right. Um, I know
2: what the other teams call CFD, but unfortunately I can't say it on the... Can you not? <laughs> How disappointing. Oh well, somebody called the first word was complete and the last word was disaster. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes, that's
1: CFD, yes. Which is computer design, of course. Yes. Okay, yes, yes. I think we've got the middle word. Um, <laughs> right. Um, Ed Foster. You've been on your travels and I want you to tell us very briefly about them because they're going to appear in the uh, next magazine and uh, I know people will look forward to the next magazine and uh, one thing in particular you did was go to the Wolfgang von Tripps Museum which uh, is something I think many of us would like to do, both in here and out there.
4: Yeah, I mean, uh, I set off in the, in the Lotus Elise, the Motorsport Lotus Elise, and, for a, a German trip, um, and took in uh, Wolfsburg, the Volkswagen Museums, Hanover, the Volkswagen Motorsport Facility, Von Tretz Museum, as you mentioned, um, and other bits and pieces. So they'll be appearing in the magazine in the future. Um, but the Von Tretz Museum... It's actually, so the, the story behind it is very interesting um, because the the family, after Wolfgang died, uh, sort of fell into financial trouble and had to sell the family Schloss and move to this house next door to it. And in there, this sort of museum, is, which is being run by a foundation, has sort of emerged. Um, and the problem is, I don't think they've got enough money to actually exhibit the stuff properly, but it's all there. And it's, at the moment, it just looks like a bit of a... Not a, a junk shop is too harsh a phrase, but... It's it's an amazing sort of weird collection of of memorabilia and lots of his own personal belongings. Um, a lot of it is quite strange, but uh, other bits are, are very interesting. So it's it's worth a visit. But I think it's only open on Sundays. Um, because of financial problems and staffing it. But uh, I'll, I'll tell you more in the magazine in the future.
1: Great. Well, yeah. <clears throat> one of my boyhood heroes, I don't know about you, Nigel. Trips, yes. Yeah. yes. Von Trips <clears throat> That's what racing drivers should be like, I think. Um, we'll take one last question. It comes from Mike Holland, and it returns us to Schumacher. Well, sorry, but it does. Um, and Mike Holland is asking, Damien, whether perhaps... Uh, the team should have Michael as a mentor, advisor, consultant to Nico Rosberg and not as a teammate.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be delighted <laughs> yeah, he'd <love> that. <laughs> to do that.
2: Um, put that to yeah. Faber, I just think he'd, he'd love that idea.
3: Yeah, well, I, I don't think that's a good idea at the moment. I think. Let's let's see how Michael can get on as a racing driver again um, in the future. You know, he he played a a mentor kind of role to Massa in uh, the last year uh, of Ferrari, um, which to me was quite surprising to see that relationship develop because Michael was never one for for giving to his teammates, and mm. he he did take a sort of a slightly paternal view of of Massa in that final year, as if he'd already he, he knew deep down that this was the end of his career was, was coming up um, and he did actually care about what came after um, whether he'd take the same view of, of Mercedes, I, I don't really know how that relationship between Nico and Michael is developing or if it's developing at all um, but I, I, don't think, I, I don't think Nico needs mentoring to be honest, I think he's, he's a Grand Prix driver in his own right, he's been doing it since 2006 now so he's, a, he's got a few years under his belt uh, Okay, he hasn't had the wins and the big results but they, I think they'll come and um, I, I, he doesn't need patronising by Michael Schumacher or anyone else. <laughs> well, I, I, yes,
1: I hope that answers your question, Mr. Holland. I think it does. Uh, <laughs> Nigel, briefly, well, Schumacher is a consultant.
2: Well, I, I, I can't imagine... Uh, I certainly can't imagine him, uh, you know, mentoring anybody while he's still competing. Well, no. And trying to beat them. Um, because, uh You know, I mean, your your teammate might be your best friend, but he's still your worst enemy. Sure. So I I can't see that happening. The other thing that strikes me is, you know, when when Michael was coming to the races with Ferrari after he'd retired, he just looked like a lost soul. He did. Most of the time. He was normally, you know, quite sort of clipped and curt and bad-tempered. Yeah. Uh, and he just didn't seem as though he wanted to be there in that capacity. It was almost as he, you know, he couldn't stay away. But on the other hand, when he was there, he didn't. He wasn't just wasn't enjoying it. So I don't. It's hard to see Michael just sort of, you know, being a mentor for anybody. And and, and Damien's right. You know, Nico doesn't need him.
1: Okay. Um, well, we're nearly at the end of our time, but I'd like to just quickly go round um, r- round the table um, and look forward to uh, the season coming up uh, and having had uh, three or so not three or so, three races to to, to uh, study um, Ed Foster, how do you think it's going to play out now that we've got over all the excitement of it being the best thing ever and the best season in, you know
4: um, Well I think anyone would be stupid to ignore the Red Bulls and you know, if, if their reliability doesn't plague them for the rest of the season then Vettel is going to be very hard to beat um, because the other teams will catch up you know they always do um, but whether they can do that fast enough I, I don't know I mean you know we saw in uh, you know, qualifying this year how, how quick the Red Bulls really are and lost race in Malaysia it looked as though they were racing and they still had more to give you know they were, they were driving 99% um, but if anyone's going to catch them I'd put money on Alonso and maybe Hamilton but I'd, I suggest Vettel as, as though I hate to agree with you, Rob, I think <laughs> you made a, made a good call there with,
1: with that prediction. Like <laughs> Mr. Roebuck.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree with what, uh, with what Ed says. I think, and just going back to what I was saying earlier on about, you know, Brundle's remark towards the end of last year, you know, ideally you, you want Vettel, Alonso or Hamilton, don't you? I, I actually on talent would put Kibitzer into that too. I would, I would pick a top four on talent, but in terms of what they've got at the moment. Um, yeah, I can see Fernando and Lewis. If if anybody is going to <coughs> challenge Vettel over the season, I can see it. I would expect it to be those two.
3: Damien? Yes, well, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Alonso and Hamilton uh, putting in those performances we've seen so far. I mean, Hamilton... Um, he pushes the boundaries at every stage. I mean, his, his weaving down the straight to Malaysia was completely out of order, really. It went, went way too far. I was glad that he didn't get penalised for it because Petrov wasn't trying to overtake him. He was just trying to, you know, break the, um, the toe. Um, but... He'll always do that He'll always push things to the, to the limit And I, I, I like that about Lewis Hamilton So we'll see more of that More of Fernando Alonso um, doing supreme things in Ferraris But yeah, the man to beat is, is Sebastian at the moment So I just hope that he doesn't get on a run And score a run of victories And, and break the back of the, the championship Because this point system I'm still trying to get my head around it really How it's going to play out Because it's, it's kept things very tight It's looking a pretty good
2: at the moment Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. So, so
1: would it be fair to say you all agree with me?
2: <laughs> About what? <laughs>
1: the Vettel's going to be the world champion.
3: Uh, well, no, I'd still say Alonso. Yeah, I'm going to stick with Alonso as well. But you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> On that note. But no, I actually, I think
1: I, I like, I, I love what, I love Damien's enthusiasm for Lewis Hamilton because I share it absolutely. I mean, you know, thank God for entertainment. He's a fantastic driver. Um, one of the stewards at Sepang, of course, was Johnny Herbert. And I'm, I can't imagine Johnny Herbert wanting to penalise that particular instance.
3: Well, jo- Johnny, being the bloke he is, would have just seen it as uh, over-enthusiasm, I suspect. And, and um, the warning that he got, I think, was exactly the right... Yeah,
2: thing. I think if he'd done it lap after lap, yeah. it would have been a different thing. Yeah, um, I think it was a sort of instinctive thing, and I'm reacting to this situation, you know, mm. as it happens. Um... Uh, I, I thought, at the time, I thought, "Oof, that's marginal. <laughs> that's marginal. And yeah. and in Petrov, in fact, I mean, Petrov certainly did have designs on passing, didn't yeah. he? And got to the corner and he... You know, He's actually had a yeah, good yeah, season. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, but I, in terms of good things about this season, one of the things I really like is that Tot has completely revamped the way the stewards behave. Mm. And also, you know... Um, um, Maxis Two IC has been removed from the mm. equation, and now we have a, a you know a, a, i mean in in Bahrain acting as the steward in you know, the first yep. race, for instance. So that's an excellent idea. But what, what's been to have, to have a Grand Prix driver who knows mm. advising the stewards? That's you can't put a price on that.
4: And what's been quite telling since Todd took over is that the, the racing has been in the headlines, and it's just been the yep. racing. And it's been either boring or exciting, but it's. That's what's in the not-political not yeah. yeah. going on yeah. yeah,
1: I think, I think we're, are we not? We're all surprised at how pleased we are with uh, Monsieur Todd at the FIA thus far.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no question about it. Yeah. And we haven't had, you know... I mean, we got to the ridiculous point, hadn't we, where, where there was, sort of like, four or five penalties a race, mm. and it was just getting so nanny-fired, it was absurd. And I think it's interesting that in the year when NASCAR have gone back and sort of said okay boys bump drafting is fine just do your own thing just don't do anything sort of really silly uh, and it's helped it's certainly helped in NASCAR yeah. and, it, and in a way it seems to be a little bit like that in F1 too because you know we've gone through three races now without anybody being sort of you know yeah.
1: rejoice, pulled over rejoice. the coals yeah
3: absolutely yeah. Yeah. and um, Lewis, Lewis's petulance surfacing every now and again is always going to keep us entertained as well because well, you know, yes. it's, it's, um, I think he probably i can see whitmarsh eventually
2: getting a little tired of you know very public outbursts not before long i'd say freaking stupid decisions over the radio when i'm supposed to be trying to drive a race yeah but uh, you know that the 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 button hamilton thing fascinates me because in so many ways it reminds me of uh of of Senna and prost
1: yeah absolutely i agree Yes, a very, very interesting year ahead. Um, let us uh, end with our traditional summary of what is what is in the latest motorsport magazine, because I would urge you to buy one. It's it's good stuff. Damien, just give us a... Yeah,
3: hopefully you might have seen it already by now. Um, May issue has been on sale for a little while. Um, but it's our celebration of 60 years of the Formula One World Championship. Um, so... Founded in May 1950 at Silverstone, so we we took this opportunity to to celebrate decade by decade uh, six of the best writers tackling the decade, so Doug Nye in the 50s, Ian Young in the 60s, Alan Henry in the 70s, Nigel in the 80s, Morris Hamilton in the 90s, and Adam Cooper on the noughties, so uh, um, we really enjoyed putting this one together, so hopefully uh, everyone will enjoy reading it.
1: 60 years of Formula One, go and get it, it's a good magazine.
3: And lunch with... Oh, yeah, lunch with is Riccardo Petrezzi this month, which we thought was quite fitting, given that until Rubens beat his record, he was the most, you know, the most starts of any Grand Prix driver. Uh, Real Italian gent. You know, Nigel always had a lot of time for for Riccardo. Simon had a great time with him uh, out in Italy, and, um, you know, uh, lovely guy. Mm.
1: Okay, that's what's in your motorsport magazine. Well, we are off now to have a general election in Great Britain, in case you hadn't heard. Um... So when we return, we will try not to have too many acronyms or acrimony, which is going to fill the whole of the next month, I've got a feeling. Um, Anyway, we'll be back at the beginning of the month of May, the month of Indianapolis, of course. Uh, We hope to have a guest with us then, and if we are going to have a guest, we will certainly let you know on the website who that guest is going to be. But for now, uh, my great thanks to... Our editor, Damien, to Nigel, and to Ed, and, Will and to Al, who uh, looks after the uh, quality of this recording. Uh, probably some radiator in it this week, yes? Yeah, some radiator noises, but anyway, it's yes, motor racing. See you next time, bye. Motorsport Magazine, the audio podcast. Hold up.